Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Good morning, and thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time cancer survivor, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. We've been making our way through my book um, with five previous episodes, and I think today will be our final reading, um, maybe, if all, if all goes well. But before we start reading, I wanted to share something really cool that happened yesterday. I went in for chemo, and I found out that my tumor markers are down again. So praise God, I'm so excited. And I, I wanted to share with our audience, if you are battling cancer, please pray for healing, because God listens. And if you don't practice prayer, then ask a friend or two who do believe who do believe in the power of prayer and the possibility of healing. Remember, when praying stops, so do the coincidences. And Bill, do you remember who said that? Uh, it's a paraphrase of of not Sister Mother Teresa. Uh, I think okay. she got promoted. She's not just Mother now; she's Saint Teresa. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think she might be. So yesterday, I had chemo, and I got home in the dark. And I was so pleased that we didn't encounter civil war outside the hospital or on our way home. People have been predicting it all week. One of my Facebook friends posted, and I don't know who it is, so if you hear this and it was you, please let me know so I can give you credit. I have to put this in perspective, the yeah. national election. Oh, yes, that's true, because people won't technically know. Technically, the national election was over yesterday. Yeah, and we're still waiting on results. Right. But anyway, so we might be waiting for a few more days. That's okay. Just we'll all be patient. But um, one of my friend, my Facebook friends posted... Does the Civil War start tonight or tomorrow? I'm trying to plan my week. (laughs) So even though that was funny and it made me smile and even laugh a little bit, it's really um, a very serious possibility. And it's just frightening to me. So please pray for our country and our leaders. This is the weirdest campaign I've ever seen. The first presidential race bill that I remember was JFK. And I was a kid, but I believe he ran against Nixon, did he not? Oh, yes. Yes. And my mother voted for for JFK because he was cute. And your father probably (laughs) voted for Nixon. Probably, not because he was cute. But my mother voted for Nixon. A divided country even then. Even then. But my mom thought he was cute. And so life was much simpler then, or maybe just because I was a kid. I don't know. And your dad thought Nixon was cute. (laughs) Maybe did. I don't know. Uh (laughs) Anyway, however you feel about the outcome. Bill, you had something really well, good just to say about this. kind of simple. In these times when people think it's really dark and have that perspective about our nation and our world, um, I like a paraphrased lyric from a Paul McCartney song, Hope for the Future, where he says, light shines brightest when it's darkest. And I thought, oh yeah, well, light shines pretty bright right now. Yeah. And we need to remember that that's a, a great thing for us to have, um, have in mind. Yeah. And so, even if this is long after the election, pray for our president. Pray that we got the president we need, not the one we deserve. <laughs> Whoever that is in your perspective. Yeah. So anyway, we don't talk politics on this show. Right. So that's as close as we're getting to this game. I'll be quiet the rest of the show now. <laughs> okay. That's very good. No, you won't. You need to read. All right. So anyway, we are going to pick up in my book where we left off last time. And it was chapter 15. We're almost at the end of 15. And we're actually almost done with the book. So... Um, Like I said, I'm going to have to write another one so Bill can join me again. But last time we were talking about a woman that I knew who knew she had a friend that had cancer but hadn't reached out to her at all. And then she finally saw the woman's passing in a newsletter that she got from her industry. 
And, oh, did you do this that? This starts. Oh, it does start with something special. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, very good. Um, don't want to forget the dot, dot, dots. Bill, you're actually becoming famous for those. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I've worked on it all week. <laughs> so anyway, um, but she was really struggling with the fact that she didn't reach out to her friend and didn't know it was now too late because her friend was gone. And it broke her heart. And so it was a definitely something that impacted her friend, too, probably. But it also impacts the survivors. So do stay in touch. It's so important. Even if it's just to call and say, hey, I was thinking about you today. Hope you're doing okay. And I'll check back again later, you know. Whatever you need to do, just so that person knows that they're not alone. Or just call and say, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) There you go. All right, so we're going to pick it up where we left off. And this is after the dots. So now comes the challenging part. How do you help? I know from firsthand experience how difficult it is to know what to do. When my friend Sharon was diagnosed in 1993, and you all remember Sharon, she was my co-host for the first three years of this show, or maybe more, maybe, yeah, something like that. Um, But when she was first diagnosed in 1993, I had no idea how to help her. I was one of the invisible friends who offered to assist her if she needed me. However, I had no idea of what she might actually need. Since she never asked for help, I assumed she was doing fine. I knew she had a husband and children who were caring for her. The problem is that when the husband was at work and the children at school, Sharon was alone with her thoughts and fears. And I learned through my experience three years later that that loneliness can be unbearable. I realized I was not the greatest of friends to Sharon. I was embarrassed when she would come to the office for a visit. I didn't want to face her. I knew that too much time had passed and I hadn't done my part. I would give anything to be able to reverse this situation. At best, I can learn from it. And now, pass it on to you. When I was diagnosed with nearly stage 3 breast cancer, three years later, Sharon knew exactly how to help me. Yep, and she did. So now we are in Chapter 16. That was all I got. Well, actually, um, yeah, actually, when I said pass it on to you, I meant to the listeners. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to interrupt you, so. <laughs> I go, What? <laughs> But you started so beautifully. Well, I just thought I'd let it go. <laughs> okay. All right. If I you, need, can, you can cue me in next time. You can too. read the intro to chapter 16. No, I think I better be quiet for a while. <laughs> I, I actually, there is a part for me. Chapter 16, so much to do, dot, dot, dot. But what, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yes, that's true. The hat is the picture of the, yeah, anyway. Okay. okay. Why don't you read that first little intro paragraph? <laughs> There are so many wonderful and easy things that can be done to help someone get through this difficult time. Please allow me, Becky Olson, to share with you some of the best things that happened for me, Becky Olson, that helped me, Becky Olson, in my transition (laughs) from victim to survivor. Yeah. And there is a time when you transition, I believe. So number one. Call or write. One of the simplest, yes, most important and meaningful things you can do is send a note or make a phone call. Being home alone all day, every day, can be a very difficult thing for some women. And for me, Ms. Social Butterfly, it was unbearable. I would sit at home and hope my phone would ring. When it did, it was usually someone trying to sell me long-distance long, uh, long distance service or an alarm system or satellite television. I found myself welcoming the intrusion. The only thing worse than that was the silence. When my friends did call, it was a tremendous boost to my spirits to know someone was thinking about me. Remember, too, the conversation doesn't have to be about cancer. It can simply be, I was thinking about you today, or I was sitting at my desk and I saw an inspirational poem or a joke that made me think of you. You can then add, I hope you get back here soon. We need you. 
Just start the conversation. Trust me, the rest will follow. She'll be glad you called. And also don't allow your personal embarrassment stop you from doing the right thing. If it's been a long time since you checked in with her, it is easy to tell yourself you can't call her now. It's been too long. Make the call anyway. She will be so glad you called that all the time in between when you were absent from her life will vanish. One time we were giving a presentation to a group of 200 men and women about the importance of support and friendship. I was talking about the importance of staying in touch by phone and how it was the most meaningful thing you could do. After the evening was over, a woman who had been standing in the wings waited patiently to speak to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. As she approached, I could see in her eyes that she was experiencing some strong emotions. She told me her t- in tears that the message she heard from us that night relieved years of guilt. I explained, excuse me, I asked her to explain. These glasses, I need new ones. Um, She told me that she had lived out of the country a few years earlier. While she was gone, her friend was diagnosed with cancer. She was not in a position to return home, and all she could do was call. She called her friend often, but she didn't feel it was enough. Sadly, her friend didn't make it, and the guilt was more than she could bear. She wasn't able to be there for her friend physically. After hearing our story, she realized that her many phone calls did matter. The guilt was finally gone. Another way to stay in touch is through the mail. Outside of my hat, probably the single most wonderful thing that happened for me was going to my mailbox every day and finding at least one card or letter, sometimes several of them. I had two friends at work that coordinated a letter card writing event. Sharon sent out emails to updates to the entire office and asked people to send me a card or letter. She gave my address on each email. Now, I do want to say, in case I don't say it later, um, if you're going to do that, make sure that it's okay with your friend to pass this information and to pass your email because you don't want to violate their privacy. Some people are very private. I always encourage people not to be, but um, some people are. There's no right or wrong. It's what is right for you. So make sure you get permission to do this before you actually do it. So, back to the book. The result of that effort was phenomenal. She sent out an update once a week so people would have multiple chances to write. With every update, I received cards for days after. I received cards from people I didn't even know. My other friend, Heather, was on my sales team. She took up a collection from our other teammates and used the money to purchase a huge supply of get well cards and stamps. She had my teammates sign the cards all at once. Every other day, she dropped one in the mail. These cards were often humorous and sometimes serious, but they all communicated the same message. We miss you. Hurry back. It's hard to feel alone when every other day you go to your mailbox and find a card that tells you that you are missed. Okay, number two, help with chores. What a mess. (laughs) One thing that happens when you go through chemotherapy is your energy level drops to nothing. It is so easy to stop caring about a lot of things. During the nine months I spent on chemotherapy, I stopped caring about things like laundry, dishes, floors, and beds. My house got worse and worse. I'm sorry, Billy. (laughs) You did a good job trying to make up for it. This isn't in the book. I'm digressing for a moment. Anyway, you did a good job, though, with the kids trying to keep it clean as as clean as you could. Um, I spent my days sleeping on the couch or in my messy bed. I had worked full-time my entire adult life, and sitting at home wasn't exactly what I was used to. I was bored, and sleeping helped me pass the time. One day, Bill's cousin Candace called and asked if I minded a little company. I told her I was a little tired, but she could drop by. Then she asked, do you have a CD player? Yes, I said, why? She didn't exactly answer the question, but about an hour later, she showed up with a stack of music CDs and a pair of rubber gloves. Now, I want to digress from this just for a moment. 
part of the reason that this next thing happened is because I told her not only that, you know, I was a little bit tired. I also told her that my house was messy and if she didn't mind seeing my messy house and she told me she wasn't here coming to see my house, she was coming to see me. But now she knows what I need. (laughs) So um, she explained that the rubber gloves were so she could clean my house and the CDs were were to supply her with background music. And she said, because I can't clean a house without music. You can either relax and visit me while I clean or you can take a nap. The decision is yours, she said enthusiastically. I thought about it for about three seconds. The nap sounded good, but then I remembered something my friend Teresa likes to say, you can sleep when you're dead. I chose to visit. Besides, I'd already slept enough to last me for a year. Candace placed her CDs in the CD changer as she made her way into my kitchen. She scrubbed the kitchen and bathrooms. Then she threw a load of laundry in the machine, stripped the beds, and remade them with clean sheets. I couldn't believe it. She did such a great job. Her enthusiasm was contagious. Having her energy around me made me feel better. I found myself a willing participant in the cleanup project. Before I knew it, I was straightening stacks of mail that had accumulated on the kitchen floor or on the kitchen table and seemed to be taking over my life. Eventually, I found the broom and knocked down the cobwebs in the corner of the room. And I have to add to that, I'd been watching that cobweb grow for about six weeks and it was getting really frilly and (laughs) it was very pretty actually, but I knew it needed to come down. I just didn't care. My spirits were lifted, and before I knew it, my house was clean. Had Candace asked if she could come over and clean my house, I would have said, no, that's okay, I'm fine. Instead, she simply asked if she could drop by for a visit. When she got there, she cleaned. A very clever woman, indeed. Dot, dot, dot. Our lives are filled with many events, some memorable, some we'd rather forget. In 1996, the year of my diagnosis, I hired a contractor to to put an addition on our house. We added 500 square feet of family living space above the garage and added a stairwell from our family room. The designer originated the design originated on a napkin and was replicated on official blueprints. It was a, it was greatly anticipated and a wonderful project. As the kids were growing, they needed more space for growing and they and my need for quiet was growing. <laughs> Wait, let me read that again. Bill, would you read that for me? <laughs> As the kids were growing, their need for more space was growing, and my need for quiet was growing. Yeah. Growingly. <laughs> growing quickly. We started the project, and no wonder if that was hard to read. It isn't. Okay. Well, anyway, forgive me when you get to that part in the book. Um, we started the project in early April before my diagnosis. I received several bids and made my choice. Supplies were ordered, contracts signed, work began. But the day I came home from my mammogram appointment with the surprise diagnosis, I knew the project had to be canceled. I decided we could postpone it until I was in a better mood. As I pulled into my driveway, however, I saw to my horror that the garage had no lid. The workers had already removed the roof and were preparing for the framing of the addition. I knew it was too late to cancel the project. I couldn't believe how fast the project was moving. Trying to stop it now would be like trying to stop a a train at 150 miles an hour. The good news was I would be home to keep an eye on the project and it's a good thing because I, <laughs> they almost put a wall up in the wrong spot, but we've got it changed. The bad news was the mess they created was enormous. The dust was so unbelievable. It was impossible to breathe, and the mud through the house was unbearable. The house was a disaster, but I wasn't working, so I had no funds to hire anyone to help me clean the house. Except for the fact that breathing was difficult, I didn't really care. I simply didn't have the energy to clean the mess. Sharon came to my rescue again. She sent out an email message at at work directed at everyone in the Portland office. She told them about my construction nightmare 
and asked people to give a donation to help me with my cleaning project. She knew I didn't have the energy to clean it yet, so she knew that it was really bothering me. I had no idea she had even started such a project. Imagine my surprise when she showed up at my house and delivered over $400 in cash along with the message that the money was to be used for window cleaning, blind cleaning, and carpet cleaning when the remodel project was done. The project was finally completed in July. The money, which had been safely hidden in the bank, found itself on its way to becoming a clean start toward enjoying my new and improved home. I opened the yellow pages, found someone for all three jobs, and set the appointments. Because of the creativity of my friend and the generosity of my coworkers, I had enough money to complete all three tasks. My house was cleaned, and we could all breathe again. Number three, make a regular date to do something fun. You want to read this one? It's not about you. It's more about Patty. But, <laughs> but okay, I'll read it. All right, watching a movie doesn't take a lot of energy, and you already heard about how important humor is in helping a cancer patient cope. For me, finding humor is easy at the movies. I love movies. I try to see all the new movies that interest me early in their release, so I have a chance to see it before the ending becomes common knowledge. Going through cancer treatment didn't change my desire, or having a friend who also likes movies helped me live my desire. My dear friend and fellow movie enthusiast, Patty, the one who gave me the hat, gave me something to look forward to every week. I could count on her call every Friday morning to see what movies were starting that afternoon. We picked out a standard chick flick and agreed to meet at the movie theater for the first showing of the movie we wanted to see. Um, Being chicks, it was pretty easy to agree on the film we wanted. We usually pick something funny. We always arrived early so we could visit for a while before the movie started. It was a great time for us to bond, to bring her up to speed on my treatment, and then focus on the movie. One thing that came as a surprise to both of us during this time was that I didn't usually feel like dwelling on my disease, and though she always asked how I was doing that week, I didn't have to talk about it if I didn't want to. Patty was excellent at respecting my moments of quiet and reflection. I discovered that there are times that I wanted to feel normal. C.W. Metcalf says in his book, Lighten Up, I have cancer, cancer doesn't have me. By allowing me to not discuss it, Patty was honoring my desire for normalcy. And on that, we are actually going to go out to break. So we'll stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, We protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at Electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the program. Before we get back into the book, I want to remind our listeners that there are four ways to be a part of this program. First, um, share the link to the program if you're listening. And I know that we have Gaynor listening today from Italy. Thank you, Gaynor, for joining us. Um, so do that. Share the links. If you have a listen to a show that sounds good and you have a friend that might benefit from it, share the link. Um, consider a donation to Breast Friends Radio Show. You can text BF Radio to 41444, and that will open up a link so you can make a donation. Join Breast Friends Around the Globe. It's a Facebook group page, and introduce yourself to the group. Um, and tell us where you're from, a little of your story if you like. Um, you, you don't have to be a survivor to join. You can be a friend of someone. You Whatever. If you're interested in this topic, join Breast Friends Around the Globe. And then nominate yourself as a guest. If you have something inspirational or educational that would be of interest to cancer patients, please nominate yourself as a guest. You can reach me at becky at breastfriends.org. And now back to the book. So we were on number four in um, chapter 16, I believe. All right, so number four, these are just ideas on how things that helped me get through my battle. So be consistent, stay in touch regularly. One time I was interviewing a cancer uh, survivor for a research project that I was working on at school. She brought up a very interesting point. She told me that if you have friends that stay in touch on a constant basis, you don't have to spend every conversation explaining your disease and your treatment. They already know what you're going through and you only need to give a quick update if you want to. The reverse is true. If people only call you once and then forget about you, you have to relive the agony as you explain again your circumstances with each new call. Of course, you can always reject their calls, but the option is being alone too much of the time. Number five, running errands is a great way to show you care. I love to camp, but only if I can be organized, which is very hard to do. (laughs) With my job, I had not been able to take time off in the summer for over five years. Breast cancer gave me the opportunity to spend some quality camping time with my family. My problem was I didn't have the energy for the organization part. In August of 1996, my friend Patty knew I was going camping. Again, the lady with the hat and now the movies. Um, She knew I was going camping with my family, and she called to see how I was doing with the plans. I told her in tears that I had decided not to go because I hadn't done the grocery shopping and I felt too sick and exhausted to do it. She asked me to read my grocery list to her over the phone. At first I resisted, but she insisted. I read her my list. She went to the store and an hour later she was at my house with groceries and a receipt. I wrote her a check over my tear-stained checkbook. Patty not only unloaded the groceries and helped me put them away, she helped me get things packed in the coolers. My husband came home later, loaded the car with our camping gear and our totally organized coolers. We had a wonderful time, at least most of the time. Only two things went wrong on our trip. First, the location. It was very hot during the day and freezing cold at night. 
I have a new appreciation of what bald-headed men go through. At night, I was so cold I couldn't sleep. I learned that when you plan to spend time in the cold, wear a hat to keep in the body heat. I tried my scarf, but it kept falling off. Feeling sorry for me, my husband, thank you, Billy, gave me his knit hat to keep my head warm. Second, I failed to respect my doctor's warning about the sun. My advice to anyone who is on chemotherapy or radiation, when the doctor says, stay out of the sun, they mean it. My husband tried to set an example by sitting alone in the shade, wearing a long sleeve shirt, uh, top button buttoned, (laughs) sounds like monk, (laughs) shorts and brown socks with sandals. He fell asleep in a lounge chair in the 90-degree shade under a large oak tree. tree. He looked more like Forrest Gump than did Tom Hanks. Anxious to renew my youthful tan, I, however, stayed in the sun, protected only by my bathing suit and my hat. I had no idea that some forms of chemotherapy make you extremely photosensitive, meaning overly sensitive to the sun. Boy, howdy, I ignored that warning, and I lived in the sun for the entire weekend, unaware of the insidious sunburn I was wearing but not yet revealing. This was quite a new experience for me considering my Greek ethnicity. I had spent many summers in the sun without any protection whatsoever. In fact, I often used baby oils to, to attract even more sun. You know, they didn't tell us when we were kids that sun could cause cancer, you know. Um, usually the first day I would turn slightly pink, but it would turn a deep brown by the second day. I had no idea I could burn so badly. Over the next few days, my burn deepened and became a dark burgundy color. My skin finally peeled, and even after three layers of peeling, I was still purple color, and it hurt. Even the best ointment couldn't soothe the pain. Eventually, I turned normal again, but it took months of ugly and pain. I do not visit the sun anymore without a heavy dose of sunscreen. Good advice for anyone. Number six, for husbands and lovers, show her you care. Warning, if you don't like reading about sex, skip this part. I'm going to leave the room just for a moment. Once I got over the fear of dying, I found that one of the hardest things about surviving breast cancer was wondering how the deformity would affect my sex life. I'd heard terrible stories about husbands who left their wives, boyfriends who broke up with their girlfriends, all because they couldn't accept the physical downside of breast cancer. There is no doubt breast cancer alters the contour of a woman's body, and it takes a very strong man to accept it. I count my blessings daily that I have a husband with a terrific sense of humor and a perverse imagination. (laughs) You read how wonderful he was in part one. If you were not convinced that he is special, perhaps this story will help you. When I came home with gauze and drain tubes hanging out of my breast, I could barely look at myself. My husband, Bill, on the other hand, wanted to see it up close. He would look at me while I was nearly nude, examining the wounds. He was fascinated at the size of my arm as it filled with lymphatic fluid. He sometimes stroked the back of my arm to test my reflexes. Unfortunately, lymph node surgery can cause severe numbness, and I couldn't feel the strokes. But I knew in my heart that he was doing all he could to help me. When my hair fell out, he rubbed aloe vera gel on my head and chanted the mantra, Be nice to Bunny. Be nice to Bunny. Bunny was my nickname since my pregnancy with our first child. With all my scars and lopsided breasts, I couldn't look at myself. So how could I expect more from him? One night, as we cuddled in bed, Bill gently whispered in my ear, I've always wondered what it would be like to be intimate with a biker chick. (laughs) Maybe when you're feeling up to it, we can find out. Do I look like a biker chick to you? Yes, and I love it, he said. The first time we were intimate was scary for me. I did not like to hide from him, but I decided that if he could pretend I was a biker chick, then maybe it would be okay. I nearly dropped dead in my tracks when he said afterwards, (laughs) it was like I was with two women. (laughs) He went on to explain that one had a tight 
perky breast. I hope there's no children listening in the room right now. You might want to pause this and, and send them out. <laughs> uh, one with a tight perky breast, the breast cancer side, and one with the big one, my normal side. He never let me feel ashamed of my body. He continued throughout my treatment and still to this day to tell me I was and still am beautiful. He is, of course, over 50. Now he's over 60, and I won't say how much more over 60. And his eyesight is beginning to fail, but it works for me. (laughs) If other men could adopt the attitude he managed to develop, this world would be a better place. No woman should have to face this disease alone, but unfortunately, many men will allow them to. Perhaps they all need a little biker chick excitement in their lives. Over the years since my diagnosis, I've thought about being having reconstruction to make myself more balanced, but I'm afraid my husband would miss the other woman. <laughs> I do feel that, that was Bill laughing, I'm glad you laughed. I always worry when I get to this part in, in my story because I don't know how he's going to respond. <laughs> Quiet. Quiet. You didn't leave the room though, that's good. I do feel that men need support in this area. Bill is pretty special, but not all men can handle the situation with the grace that Bill showed. Just like some women handle their emotions easier than others, men will experience different emotional needs as well. There are support groups available for men as well as other family members who are having difficulty dealing with this issue. Check with your local hospital for information on groups in your area. I truly feel that the most important thing you can do... Oh, whoops. I'm sorry. I skipped your part. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. I truly feel that the most important thing you can do to help someone through their crisis is to help them laugh. A.H.H. Klein wrote in an article entitled Humor in Not-So-Funny Times, Constantly color your picture gray and your picture will always be bleak. Try adding some bright colors to the picture by including humor and your picture begins to lighten up. Brighten up someone's day and your day will brighten up with it. Okay, chapter 17. I'm going to just tell you a little bit about Breast Friends in this chapter. And um, I'm just... I'm very proud of our organization. In August of 2000, while sitting in the hospital cafeteria with my friend, um, Sharon, we began discussing the deeper meaning behind being blessed with surviving breast cancer. Our conversation quickly turned to a discussion about what was missing in the area of breast cancer support. What we soon realized and agreed upon was the fact that there was not much information available to the friends and family members of the breast cancer patient, information that would help them help her. We decided that day that we wanted to find a way to help breast cancer patients by teaching those around her how to be of assistance to her. We decided that day, August 22, 2000, that we would start a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping breast cancer patients by helping her friends and family members. We started the process by registering the name Breast Friends with the state of Oregon. We registered the URL for a website not yet built, and all of this was accomplished in the first 24 hours. With a big sigh, we phoned each other and asked, now what? (laughs) That question is still being asked and answers are still being discovered. Changes happen every day, but we are ready to do what God is calling us to do. We pray the prayer of Jabez by asking God to bless us, to expand our territory, and to keep his hand upon us that we may not cause harm. He is blessing us by introducing us to many wonderful people that we would not have met otherwise. We are encouraged knowing that what we are doing is right and that our message is sound. He is expanding our territory. What began as a dream is now a reality. We achieved our tax-exempt tax status in November of 2001. We are speaking all over the country. We are building a network through other well-known cancer organizations, such as the American Cancer Society and the Susan G. Komen Foundation. We received our first grant in 2004. After three years of trying, we finally received funding from Susan G. Komen. We were funded again in 2005 and 2006. 
and are now chairs of the Coleman Co-Survivor Program in Oregon and Southwest Washington. And I just want to remind you, this book was written in 2004, so some of this has changed since then, but, but this is what happened as of that point. We know that God is keeping his hand upon us by placing people in our path at that exact moment we need ex- expertise on something. These, quote, business meetings bring incredible blessings to our organization. And Bill, I don't know if you remember, but you coined that phrase, business because we did the prayer of Jabez and our newsletter was called Jabiznis News. I'm living my dream. I'm involved in public speaking throughout the country. My book is published. Life is good. I can say that that hat truly has saved my life twice. And now five times. And as we are working toward building and expanding Breast Friends, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about all this part. So there's a couple of pages that I'm not going to read. Um, it's chapter 18. It's tips for caregivers. It's just a laundry list, quite long actually, 42 different things on here that are ideas of things you can do to help somebody. And it's printed in all the diff- different versions of my book. And so I would really like to encourage you to Get the book. Look at these ideas. There's a lot of really good ones on here, and some of them are very, very simple. Just an example of one, find out when her chemotherapy days are, and then bring her a milkshake. And Because a milkshake goes down easily, and if there's a problem, it's kind of a good rule of thumb if you're going to have something like that. Uh, have something that tastes the same coming up as it does going down, just in case there's issues but milkshakes are good for that and if she can drink dairy and that sounds good to her bring her one and that's just a simple thing drop it by and out you go so um i am really excited that we are i think we're going to be able to do i was thinking we might have to cut a break but i don't think that we'll have to um because we still have one more segment left so so aaron if you're listening we will go ahead and do our break um at the normal time so um I am going to read a little bit now in the epilogue about Old Hat, and um, and we'll just get a little ways into this before we take our break. So, um, all right, Old Hat. So this was written after the book was um, right. You know, I guess it was the book was done and something had happened. Basically, four days after I sent my book to the publisher, um, I had found out that I was battling cancer for that second time, and. Um, it was kind of unnerving. So in my first, the first printing of this book was in 2004. There was just a little paragraph right at the very end. Everything was done. The epilogue was written. Everything was done. And then I got di- that diagnosis. So in the end of my first printed book, there's just a little tiny paragraph that was after everything. And I didn't even know if people would see it, but they did. I was getting emails from women all over the country. And they were telling me, gosh, I'm so sorry to hear about your second battle, because I had one short paragraph that said I would got diagnosed a second time. And so this this epilogue is now written with that in mind. And so it's a new one from my first printing of my book. So Old Hat, it's called. Bill finally lost the other woman. Turns out he lost the first one, too. June 1st, 2004, just three days after I sent my book to my publisher to begin the edits for the first printing, I found a suspicious lump while showering. Later that day, a mammogram revealed a probable breast cancer tumor. Just two days later, on June 3rd, a biopsy confirmed it. Stage 3 again, round 2. Following my lumpectomy after that first battle, when I still had breasts, though very different in size, Bill encouraged me to get reconstructed. He said it was like being... Hold on a second. Following my lumpectomy after the first battle, when I still had breasts, though very different in size, Bill encouraged me not to get reconstructed. He said it was like being with two women. 
With the second diagnosis, I made a much different decision. I'd had enough. I decided on the double mastectomy. By June 14th, 2004, I was breastless. The girls were gone. Dot, dot, dot. For eight years following my first diagnosis, I thought the only thing worse than hearing that I had breast cancer would be to hear that I had breast cancer again. I was wrong. I was I was an old hat at this. When diagnosed the second time in 2004, my thoughts turned immediately from been there, done that, to figuring out how I would be able to hide my diagnosis long enough to get through the biggest speech of my life, the Susan G. Komen Survivor Luncheon at the Oregon Convention Center. I'd been asked to speak at the event prior to my second diagnosis. I knew that with the luncheon coming up in less than three months, I would be in the heat of chemotherapy, bald once again, and possibly too sick from chemo to stand before the audience of 1,000 or so expected guests. My doctor didn't think I should even consider giving the speech. I changed doctors. I immediately went through a double mastectomy and began chemotherapy. I made it through and, in fact, turned my second diagnosis into a win-win. When delivering my speech, I spoke about what many people experience when surviving a life-threatening situation, changing priorities, not waiting for everything to be perfect to begin to fulfill your life's dreams. I encourage the audience to make a list of things they want to do someday and take baby steps towards those things. I spoke of the curveballs that are tossed our way, the ones that we use as excuses to hold back. I told them about my recent curveball and I pulled off my wig, exposing my bald head to the thousand member audience. There were gasps in the room in the audience And then a standing ovation followed, my first one ever. It was exhilarating. (laughs) I guess if you're going to get one, that's a good reason, right? Dot, dot, dot. I took a few months off work, but like an idiot, I went back to my job in corporate America. I continued to work for another very stressful year. Finally, on June 20th, 2005, after 15 years on the job, I walked into my boss's office and told him I couldn't do this anymore. That was my last day. I walked away from a $100,000 a year job with family health insurance and a pension. My husband was between contracts with no real prospects in sight. We had no other health insurance, but this was something I had to do. My friends thought it was risky, but they were very proud of me. My husband was thrilled. He finally had his wife back. Amen. God is good. Bill was offered a six-week contract job in Alaska the very next day. It was not the one he really wanted, but it got us through. Two months later, he was offered the job that he had been interested in for over three years with the same insurance I had given up. We didn't even have to change providers. And he's been there ever since. You want to tell him where you work? I work for the Salvation Army, and it was exactly the same insurance you had. I know. It was crazy. right in so that we didn't have a lapse in any coverage. It was perfect. I left my job, and we went to COBRA, and then we qualified for his insurance in January. brings us back to that saying, you know, when times are the darkest... That's when light shines the brightest. So never give up hope. Don't give up trusting that God's got his hands on your life and he is able to see you through these dark moments of your life. And I know despair is deep yeah. and dark. Yep. But so is hope, light, and so is God wonderful. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we'll come back to this in, in just a few minutes, a couple minutes. So let's go ahead and take a break and we'll be back shortly. Thanks. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. 
Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. We're finishing up my book, The Hat That Saved My Life, and we are almost at the end of it, and then we're going to spend a little time reflecting on some of this and Bill has some really awesome things he wants to bring up so um, all right so let me just finish the epilogue and I it starts with the, the next paragraph starts with it is now October 2006 clearly it's not that's when this epilogue was written so keep that in mind it's now November 2020 a year we all want to look back on yeah and completely forget about if possible <laughs> So, okay, it is now October 2006. I'm working full-time with Sharon at Breast Friends. Breast Friends is growing quickly, and we are in the very early stages of developing a formula that would allow us to create affiliates around the country, which soon thereafter we discovered was probably not the best idea. We are also developing a national program that would bring cancer support groups into the women's prison system, which we did here in Oregon for 12 years, and we've already started the program in Oregon. I've been blessed with meeting some incredible women as I'm traveling all over the country telling my story, hopefully inspiring them to know that God has a plan for all of us, and I mean all of us. That's you too. I try to encourage them that when we are throwing a curveball, we can let us hit it, let it hit us square in the face and knock us down, or we can learn to dodge it. It's a lot less painful. But Sharon has the best advice, though, when I ran all of this past her. She said, teach them to do what you did, learn to catch the ball and embrace it. She's right. I caught the curveball, and I used it as a point in my Coleman speech with great success. I actually got so excited about the idea of pulling my wig off at the end of my speech that my husband says, what if your hair doesn't fall out this time? Oh, you say that line. Oh. Honey bunny, <laughs> what if your hair doesn't fall out this time from chemo? I replied, then I guess I'll have to shave my head. No problem. It fell out. Dot, dot, dot. As a two-time breast cancer patient, my odds of surviving appear even a little less encouraging than the first time. But whatever my life expectancy, I will live this time. I will live the time I have with strength, dignity as much as I can muster, and as much laughter as my heart and my belly can handle. 
So that's the end of my book. Um, and, you know, this was a, a really good journey in writing this. And I think I've, I've maybe I've shared this before, but when I started writing my book, it really was intended to be about a 28-page booklet, 32-page booklet, something like that. And my writing teacher said, Becky, this isn't a booklet. This is the beginning of a book. And so I took her advice and went back through paragraph by paragraph and just added descriptive words and, and it ended up being about a 150-page book. So if you're thinking about writing a book, consider it. So, Bill, you had something you wanted to share at the the two well, pages that I kind of skipped through, um, but you wanted to add something there or read this last part. I think part. something that you wrote in, uh, in that chapter on tips for caregivers was don't try to do it all. I mean, there's a lot of things that both the, the family members can support you in and the survivor, the patient can can do themselves. But the most important thing is you as a human individual going through this cancer journey or whatever your trauma might be, it might not be cancer, you really do have a responsibility to take care of yourself. And that doesn't mean do it alone, but it means you have to have a little, even a lot of faith sometimes in yourself and your own ability to meet your own needs because you'll have many and your own ability to not just meet your own needs, but recognize where you fall short and mm-hmm. ask for help. Mm-hmm. That was the key to the tips for others and caregivers to know, is that sometimes people don't know or don't want to ask for help. But um, it's our job as caregivers to offer it. And sometimes, like our, our wonderful cousin Candace, um, sometimes just to show up and do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. If you make a mistake trying to help somebody, you'll never regret it. If you make a mistake not trying to help somebody, you may live to regret it. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. And, you know, sometimes for patients, it's really hard to ask for help because, first off, we don't always, we don't want to be a burden. We're afraid. What if you say no? That would be so embarrassing. And so there, there's, there's something I want to say to that. If you are the caregiver and you say to the patient, if there is anything you need, let me know. And that's the most, that's the easiest thing in the world to say. But First off, two things. One, don't say that unless you mean it, because if that patient does remember that you said that and then they call you and say, you know, you told me you'd help me if I needed you, I need something. And then if you turn her down because you didn't really mean it, she will never ask another soul. So don't offer it unless you mean it. I have a great tip for husbands, and I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. So I could give you a book full of those. Maybe that should be my book. Yeah, and I'll read it. (laughs) Mistakes not to make, things not to say things not to leave undone. I could fill up an encyclopedia for all those things. But here's two things, men and significant others, you need to remember. Make your spouse, your loved one, breakfast in bed. Oh, They love that. They do. I did. And it's a, it's, it's a wonderful thing. You don't have to wait for the Sunday that it's convenient for you. Some special day, just get up a little earlier, make breakfast in bed. And here's the second thing that's pretty easy. Buy flowers. Flowers are a great gift. I don't know when they're not appropriate, but you can buy flowers easily, bring them home as a surprise, uh, find some way to deliver them to her as a surprise. And those are just two things I think that always warmed your heart. You know, they don't have to be fancy or expensive either. And they're not from me. I know. (laughs) You you found a good source. The nice thing is (laughs) Becky can go through, uh, sometimes I buy two sets of flowers and she'll rearrange them into a beautiful arrangement. So um, buy flowers. 
It's yeah. a great thing for the florist. It's a wonderful thing for your spouse or significant. And you said something key when it's not expected. Don't have to wait for a special yeah. occasion. Just do it. He go. I send him to the grocery store to pick up stuff, and he'll come home with flowers. And sometimes he forgets the stuff I sent him to get. But <laughs> he'll come home with flowers. I'll go back and get more flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really a sweet gesture. But um, but for the 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 people that are asking for the help or that are needing the help, when somebody does offer to to do something for you. If you need that level of help, don't fall into the trap of saying, oh, thank you, that's so sweet, but I'm fine, really. Because afterwards, you'll kick yourself in the hiney for saying no to something that you really did need. So it's perfectly okay to say to that person, you know, thank you so much for offering to help. Here is something I need. I don't know if you're in a position to do it, but my kids have soccer practice today and I don't have the energy to drive them there. Is it something that you could do or do you know someone else on the team that could do it? Um you know, just find another solution. And and chances are that person, if they're sincere in their offer, will say, I would be happy to do that. And then maybe in the future, you can arrange with another soccer member mom to come and pick up your kids. Or if you're the soccer mom parent on, and you've got a friend who's going through this, call and say, hey, I'm taking the kids to soccer practice. Let me grab your kid and, you know, go and do it that way. There, there are so many ways that you can offer or do what Patty did. You know, Patty was amazing. She knew we were going camping. She knew I was too sick to accommodate it. And so she accommodated it for me. And it was embarrassing in a way, but I knew she meant it and she insisted. And I said, yes, and I never regretted it. And neither did she. So um, there's something else, uh, a third thing I want to add, but I'm looking at your book right now. I don't know if people, you can get the book online. I mean, an audio version of the Mm -hmm. book. Yes. You can buy it online so that Mm -hmm. you could download it. But if you want a hard copy of this book, I just love having it. First of all, it's got a beautiful blue cover on it. Well, and a pink and a pink um, yes, jacket on it. <laughs> this is the the color dress you were wearing when I met That's you. That's true, and the so color of my that. wedding ring stone. <laughs> and so, if you want to see what color of dress she was wearing, get the book. And then the other beautiful thing about reading a book, well, you can mark it up and circle things and correct spelling errors. If yeah, that, and if you find any, let me know. I did find one. <laughs> did you? Candace has two S's. Oh, she does. I spelled mm. her name wrong. Mm. Sorry, Candace. I love you, Candace, but I won't cheat you that S even though it's not pronounced. <laughs> Candace and then, uh, But I'll, I'll correct that for you. And then the other thing, I, I love that you can give the book then to someone else after you've read it mm-hmm. because you might meet someone, you probably will, who's going through cancer, mm-hmm. one in eight chance, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in America, that a woman you know is going to go through it or has been through it. And, um, and then the book can be passed along. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing about a hardback book. It's easy to yeah. pass along. And here's the thing. If you do want a hardback copy of my book, they're available on Amazon as used books. Somebody else bought it probably from me at some point and and then I'm selling it on Amazon. And you can get them that way or you can get your own copy. And I will I, I will initial it and, and autograph it for I you. I will sign it too. If you write today and ask Becky for a book, <laughs> I will autograph. I think I'm a footnote on Roman numeral 11 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but you're written in throughout the entire book, so it's well, okay. I could sign one of those pages. So anyway, you order the book, the hard copy at BeckyOlson.com. There's a book page. Go there. You can actually read the first chapter for free and then you can order the book um, online. But if you do... Please write me and let me know that you did that and how you'd like it to have it inscribed. Otherwise, I'll just inscribe it to you. But if it's a gift for someone, 
write to me and tell me just personally how you'd like me to inscribe it. So these are these are some things. The other way you can do it is you can get a Kindle. Um, you can download it on Kindle. You don't need a Kindle device. You can just download the Kindle app on your devices. I have it on my iPad and on my iPhone. And so when I download a Kindle book, it just goes into the, into my library and I can pick it up there. I also have it on the audiobook format, um, which includes the most recent information. I did it last year. Um, in all honesty, last year was a pretty tough year because I really didn't know if I'd still be here. So my goal was to get it on audiobook so people could um, you know, read it that way or listen to it that way. And I was going to hire someone to read it. And Bill said, nope, they need to hear your voice. So I worked with a friend that has a studio here and we did it together. And at the end of the um, book... Bill had written a song for me, and it just makes me cry every time I hear it. Is it that bad? No. Is that sweet? (laughs) And it's called Darling Becky, and it's just, I mean, I know I'm being very spoiled right now because it's about me, but it's a beautiful song, and he wrote it, and we recorded that at the end of the story, the audiobook story. So you can order the hard copy through my website. Um, it's $19.95 and that includes shipping. The Kindle book, I think, is like $4.99 or something. And then the audiobook, I think it's $14.99. But if you are an audiobook member, then you get it, you can use your credits for that. So um, it'll be downloaded immediately. And if you buy the hard copy book, I will sign it also if you mention uh, that you heard this on the Breast Friends radio, radio program. Show, yeah. and, and, and I'd like to do that because I'd love to see where people are listening from. And also, I hope these books will travel far and wide. I know so many people, including men that have read this book, they don't stop. They start and they read it all the way through, unlike yeah, us. Yeah, a lot of people do that, and then, um And then they, they commend it and pass it on. So it's yeah. a great book. It's a great read. And Becky needs to write a second book, Encourage Her. Yeah, I actually have and one started. It's called Stay in the Light, and it's going to be a little book, just a little one. And But it, it'll be – I've got it about probably two-thirds done right now. So um, anyway, but I do want to let you know that any book that is purchased in whatever format you purchase it in, 25% of the proceeds of that will go to Breast Friends to support this radio show. So you'll be supporting the radio show with your purchase as well. But please let me know that you heard this on the radio so that I can autograph your book properly for you. Okay, so um, with all of that, I'm just really excited to to do this radio show. We're coming into the holiday season here pretty soon. And, and I'm hoping that we can have peace here in, in mm-hmm. our country as we go through this transition to the same president or a new president, however it goes, however it goes, pray for our leaders, pray for peace. Um, like John Mayer, the comedian, who I don't always appreciate his humor, but he did say, let's just pass the Civil War part and go straight to reconciliation. And I like that. Bill Mayer said, said it too. Bill, oh, did I say John? Yeah. I did, didn't I? his twin brother. Though. Yeah, Bill Mayer said it. All right, so with that, we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.